Good evening. Great to have you here. Hope you've had a good summer. I know for some people it hasn't been any different from uh, a regular time of the year. For other people, you've been jet-setting around the planet, um, going on holidays, enjoying the sunshine, maybe a bit of rain too. Uh, but it's great to have you here. If you've been away for a time, uh, we're so pleased to see your face again. If you're here for the first time, it's so good to, to have you with us tonight. We've just finished um, a series, a sermon series, where every week we've been looking at the topic of singing, singing to God. If during worship time you're like, what was that all about? Well, that's what we've been covering over the past six weeks. And we've had some amazing talks here. We've had some, some excellent speakers. We had Nick, we had Billy, we had Dings, we had Catherine, we had Simon, and we had Elliot. And those guys did an amazing job, worked really, really hard, and gave us some really uh, great encouragement and some really good challenge too. And can we just thank them for the hard work they put into that and the great job they did? Really, really good. We're so blessed as a church here to have so many people who play a massive part um, at New Community. Now, if it is your first time here tonight, you might not know kind of the bigger story of New Community. We're one church that has four different meetings that meets over three different venues here in Sidcup, in Welling, and in Elton. And so we're one church, but three different venues, four different meetings. My name's John, and I lead the team that leads our six o'clock meeting here at Sidcup. And uh, as I say, it's great to have you here, especially if you're with us for the first time. Now, at the start of this meeting, I want to, as, as Ding said at the uh, uh, beginning of worship, Jesus loved to ask questions, because I think it gets people thinking. So I want to start with asking you a question. And we're going in deep. We're not, we're not starting with a small talk. We're going straight in tonight. And the question is this. Why are you here? I mean that as in, like, why are you here in every sense of that question? Now, why are you here at church tonight? Some of you are probably thinking, I've been asking myself that question since I stepped through the door. But seriously, why are you here at church now? What was your reason? What's the purpose of you being here? I also mean it in the sense of, like, why are you here on this planet? Like, what's the point? Why are you here? Do you subscribe to the belief that, at the end of the day, you're basically a collection of cells that came about ultimately because of an accident, and you don't really have, as a result, any purpose or meaning in life. Now, that's a pretty strongly held position in theory, but I really believe that at the root of each of us, we know within us that there is a purpose and a meaning to our life. That we're not just a bundle of cells here by accident. And I know that we believe that by the way in which I see everyone around me acting. People desperately trying to find a purpose and a meaning to their life. What do I mean by that? Well, last week I was on the, the phone with someone who was telling me about someone we both know. And we said, oh, he's just got a new job. And I was like, I thought he just started a new job. Like, no, that was a couple of years ago. And this guy has tried a new job, not just kind of like oh, sideways moving to save company, like massive shifts into different careers and, uh, and workplaces and places to live, all these things, desperately trying to find one that this will be the time when, oh yeah, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And every new job he gets, what happens? Nah, it's just something's not right. Or maybe for, for you or people around you, you know, people who... Um, Always trying to find a perfect relationship. Always need to be dating or interested in someone. Maybe they start dating someone and it doesn't really satisfy or 
Maybe they think, hey, hey let's, let's try and have kids because that's a great way to fix a relationship. And then they have kids and start a family and think, this will finally make us happy. And then they have the kids in a family life. And when they start to realize it didn't bring all the fulfillment and purpose they're hoping for, or maybe when their kids leave home, what happens? The whole thing starts falling apart. For others, it might be hobbies. You just throw yourself into that one thing. You spend all your time doing a hobby. It's your life. All you ever talk about is that one thing. For other people, it might be uh, it's just spirituality. If I just kind of try enough different things, maybe try that special type of new yoga I've heard about or kind of visit church for the first time, then maybe that will fulfill this need for purpose and meaning in my life. And today is the start of a new month-long series that's going to be called This Year Let's. This Year Let's. And we're going to look at what Jesus had to say about what the meaning and purpose of your life is. We're going to look at what it means to follow Jesus. Now, if you're someone who's like, hey, I'm not a Christian, I'm kind of new to this thing, like I wouldn't describe myself as religious, like a friend dragged me here tonight and literally I'm asking the question, why am I here? Then tonight is a great opportunity for you to look at what it might look like if you were to follow Jesus. What a life of following Jesus looks like and what it might be like for you. But if you, are, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you say, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've given everything to following him, that is what my life is about, then tonight is an opportunity for you to take stock of how you're doing, to see if there's any little tweaks or recalibrations or maybe some major shifts that need to take place. And as new community, we're so, so blessed to be led by James. I'm so pleased that he could be back for his first Sunday here this evening. And James, if you hear him speak, he always is talking about, we want to make disciples of Jesus in Southeast London and Europe and beyond. You'll always hear him talk about that. Now, where did he get that vision from? Did he kind of come up with it one day while sat in some hipster coffee shop in Shoreditch? Maybe. <laughs> he might, he's changed a bit whilst he's been He's got all trendy now. It's throwing me off. No, he got that from the words, the commands, the commission of Jesus. They're the words of Jesus. And just after Jesus rose back to life, he rose from the dead. He met with his disciples. And just before he rose back into heaven, he gave them their sending orders. He said, this is what life is all about. For all humanity, this is what the meaning of life is. And we call this the Great Commission. The mandate, the mission, the purpose of humanity. So these are some hugely important words. Very, very significant words that we're going to look at tonight. And we read them in the Bible in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. They'll be up on the screen and they're also on your flyer. We're going to refer to this over and over throughout this talk. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of where? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, 
and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age, the end of time. All right, so the Great Commission. So what we're going to be looking at tonight. Let's break it down. I find it uh, really helpful how Mike Breen, the author of Building a Discipling Community, distills the Great Commission. And he distills it into its three central components, which he describes as in, out, and up. So that's what we're going to take a look at. First of all, out. Wow, that handwriting is awful, literally. You can tell I haven't written on a whiteboard or anything like that in a long time. So please forgive me or laugh at me either way. First of all, out. Jesus says, man, I, I was just going to say, I spent 20 minutes making that triangle, and that's how I decide to write the word out. Man, that's why you always do a dress rehearsal beforehand. Oh, well. Jesus says, go. He says, go, right at the beginning, go to where? All nations and neighborhoods. Share the good news. Baptize people. Share the news with all you can. Don't just hide away in your church buildings on a Sunday night at six o'clock. Now, don't just stick in your little Christian huddle, but go to all nations, all workplaces, all families, all friendship groups. Share the message of forgiveness, of freedom, of purpose. Go to the poor and feed them. Go to where there's injustice and fight it. Go. So that's the, the out. Secondly, the in. Here we go. Second time lucky. All right, that's solid. I'll take that. In. Make disciples. Jesus says, make disciples. Apprentices, followers of him. Now notice he doesn't say make converts. Jesus didn't say go into all the world and make converts. The purpose of our lives isn't to go and just uh, get people to raise their hand and say, I'm a Christian, I've ticked that box, or pray some short prayer. No, the, the, the purpose of our lives is to introduce people to Jesus and then walk alongside them day after messy day, month after month, after year after year, as they see more of who Jesus is and learn to become more like him. That's what it means to make disciples. Jesus says, build community and train people. Take a look at the verses. He says, teaching them, teaching them to obey or observe as we see in this translation, everything I have commanded you. So we're going to obviously focus massively on people saved, but we're not going to have this approach of, okay, you've ticked the box of a Christian, now on to the next one. We can leave you. Now we're going to walk with you day after day as we become disciples together. We're going to help people pastorally, bearing burdens, giving financially, helping emotionally. In. And thirdly, up. That will do. I'm done with that. Oh well, I tried. <laughs> up. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit. As we're looking at, this isn't just a, a kind of, let's increase our membership list. No, we're not trying to just add people to a club or an organization. No, we are the people of God. We're not just like any other gathering of people. We are the kingdom of God carrying the presence of God. And Jesus says at the end, remember, I am with you always. And so the upward focus of the Great Commission, just practically, that's things like prayer and worship and studying the Bible. So we have these three different elements of the Great Commission. The inward, the building community, the caring for one another. The outward, the going and seeing people saved and coming to know Jesus, making disciples. And then the up, looking to Jesus and making it all about him. In, out, and up. Now obviously for us, we have these three different elements. And the ideal place for us to be, the ideal balance, the ideal emphasis, is that we have a healthy focus on all three. And if you're a visual person like me, I I find tools like this really helpful to take stock of my own life. And so my question to you would be this. If a healthy life, a healthy spiritual life is to be in the middle with a central focus on all three, where are you? Where would you put yourself? See, we all have a tendency to emphasize one or two of these three. You know, you'll be chatting with people and say, ah, just all I can think about is this, 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 but then other areas, ah. For you, the the things you're like, ah, just that's the, the real focus for me. But for all of us, we also have a tendency to not be so bothered about another element of the three. So my question to you is this, where would you put yourself on that triangle? And you've got a little handout with you. I've intentionally given that to you because what I want you to do is this week to prayerfully go away and say to God, okay, where am I in terms of my focus on inward, in in kind of growing in terms of my maturity and helping other people, the outward in terms of going and the upward in terms of my focus and my worship of you. So take it away this week, have a think, where are you at on that triangle? And it's exactly, it's exactly the same for us as a church. Every church has a tendency to be strong in one or two areas, but for all of us as churches, and for us here at Six O'Clock Church, we want to be a people who has a focus, not just on one, our favourite, or two, our favourites, and kind of that's the awkward one, so we leave it out. But no, we want to be a people of all three, in, out, and up. Because if we neglect one of these things, we either become a clique, a club, or a campaign. If we miss out on one of the three. So what if we're, what if this is, how we are at six o'clock church. What if we were um, in and up? We're kind of like, that's where we would be. What would our church look like? Well, there'd be a lot of good things. People would come in and say, wow, uh, uh, this is, well, no, people would be part of the, the church and say, I feel cared for and uh, I love how they preach the Bible and they worship and yeah, that's great. But the problem is if we're just an in and an up people is, 
those who aren't already part of the family will come in and be like, wow, I, why did no one really talk to me? Or what, why is it that when they finish the service, they just talk to their mates and it's clear that I'm, I'm new here and I don't know anyone, but still no one talks to me. And when church is like that, people feel left out. When church is like that, it becomes a clique. And when church becomes a clique, it becomes stagnant. See, we're so inward focused that we forget the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who are outside this room are right now far from God. What if we're uh, an in and an out church? What if that was our real focus? We're going to be in, inward focus and outward focus. Well, there'd be some real positives in many ways. It would be an open door here. People would say, you know, I feel I can go in as a visitor. People talk to me. There's community. It's great. But what would the pitfall of being in and out be? When we're just an in and an outward facing community, we miss out on the presence of God. We just become like any other club. A hockey team, cycling team, rock climbing club. Those things are, oh, great. But they're not the kingdom of God. They're not a church. They're a club. And when church becomes a club, it becomes godless. So what if we decided to go for for being an up and an out church? What if that was our focus? Well, again, there would be a lot of really good stuff happening. We'd probably have tons of initiatives of trying to to help the lost and the broken and the poor. We'd probably do tons of outreach events and just constantly be saying, we need to see more saved. We need to see more saved. Let's pray and pray and pray that more would be saved and invite our friends in. We'd, We'd be all about that. But what would one of the challenges, what would be one of the pitfalls of being just a purely upward and outward church? There's no care. There's no community. As soon as someone's saved, they're like, wow, this amazing thing of church, this is awesome. And then they turn around and and already people are on to their next project, the next target. And here's this vulnerable new believer with no family to support them. And if we become just an up and out church, then we become a campaign. And when you're a campaign, there's burnout. It's unsustainable. Tons of churches like this. Massive turnover. Here are the stats of, wow, we baptized 200 last year. Amazing. What are they doing now? Oh, well, 150 of them left. Huge turnover and burnout. But our dream, our desire, in line with the Great Commission, is that we would have a healthy emphasis, a healthy focus, a healthy balance of all three. So how would you say we're doing here at 6 o'clock church? That's where it gets real, doesn't it? (laughs) What would you say? You don't have to shout out, it's okay. (laughs) But if you were looking at that triangle, if you had to place an X for where we're at as a family, as a community. We're at Six Scott Church. Where would you put it? 
Well, let's take a look. What about in? Why is in so important to us? Because Jesus said, make disciples. He calls us his children. We're family. We laugh together. We cry together. We bear one another's burdens. I remember uh, hearing Dave Holden once say about a really interesting thing to do is look at how many times you see in the New Testament that little phrase, one another, being used. If you want to do a word study this week to just see how valuable community and the inward focus is to a New Testament church, just see how often that phrase, one another, comes up time and time and time again in the New Testament. Because God is all about a people who care and love and protect and support one another. And we reject our society's message that life is all about me. I'll do me. Don't you tell me how to live my life. I'm going to live my truth. I don't need anyone else. No, we reject that. We say that we need one another. That we're better together than we are apart. There's not some hierarchy of, you know, kind of, you've graduated from needing the help of us. No, each of us needs the love and support of one another. So how are we doing at six o'clock? I would say we've done a good job of this. It's been so cool to watch over the past months just how much community has started to build here. Now, with all of these things, let me just get this disclaimer out of the way. We're not perfect. I'm not by any means saying, guys, we, if we were in a test right now, we'd get 100% on this. No, no, no. But we've done well at this. It's been so cool to see how we've had more people in communities than ever before at Six O'Clock Church. So good. A big part of that has come through uh, Word Indeed. The Word Indeed community has seen dozens of people coming together every Thursday and throughout the week to build family. And I just want to say, this is a bit of a sidetrack, but Niall and Catherine built this community from the ground up. And if you had just a tiny insight into the kind of stuff that they do behind the scenes to support this meeting, wow, it is amazing. And I just want to publicly honor Niall and Catherine for all the hard work. Can we show our appreciation thing? Seriously, so good. So good. And these guys have real character, real humility. And as we get on to talk about some of the changes that are coming, so much of that has come through their character, humility, and desire to seek God. There's also been other communities as well. We've had the Mission Freedom Community. People who in this room gather every week to see how we can fight injustice around the world. We've had the 9 to 5 group who meet working women to talk about the challenges of being a woman in the workplace. We've had courses that have run, including the DNA course. Out of interest, who here did the DNA course over the past six months or so? Great, so we've had people doing the DNA course, becoming members, getting a part of this church family. We did the weekend away back in January. Who here was at the weekend away? Yeah, okay, amazing. We had our weekend away, which was so much fun and a real highlight of building community. And there's been friendships forming. And some of my favorite things are the unofficial organic things that happen. Like the group of girls who are in this meeting who meet together every week to pray. Not always the most consistent, but they do their best. <laughs> 
the group of guys who meet every week. Again, and I got to be it's in my house and I still struggle. I rock up in my pajamas seven on a Wednesday. If you want to get involved and see me in my pajamas, come along. It's great. The prayers the, and the bacon. We have bacon, so it's all good. I love those organic things. And just people like living together in houses. People are saying, I want to live with some other people in the church so we can invite new people in to be part of this family and practice hospitality. I love that. People have been growing and serving, and stepping outside their comfort zones. People who, this time last year, were, would say, you know, I was, I was gripped by shame. There was some, uh, these are the best stories. People who say, a year ago, there was something in my life I'd never told anyone. The shame of it held me so tightly. And over the past year, not only have I been able to share that, with person after person, but I've known the freedom of God's grace. So good. So good to see those things happening. People who were far from God saying, I'm kind of half in, half out, saying, no, I'm all in for Jesus. I want to serve and give and give everything of my finances, my time, my resources, all of it. So good. We've seen some real depth. And of course, we want to see more of that. And we're going to keep investing in those things. It's still going to be a massive priority for us. We're going to keep looking at ways that we can support one another. And we're always open to new ideas. If you're like, you know, I've got this one thing that I feel uh, is kind of something you're missing, a blind spot, a weakness, please come talk to me. We're not a perfect church and we'd love to see you step up into what God's calling you to do. And we're going to keep having fun together. Big part of family. The whole Christian life is, you know, serious as I might seem up here occasionally. It's fun. We have a lot of laughs together. And for part of that reason is why we're going to do another weekend away. We're going to do it in January. Hot off the press. 11th to the 13th of January. We'll be heading back to Carroty Wood. Sleeping in those bunk beds. And uh, being humbled. <laughs> if you didn't come last year, make sure you're there this year. It's for everyone here. So much fun. There'll be stories. Some good, some bad, but there'll be stories. Be there, 11th to the 13th of January. More details coming soon on that one. (laughs) And our dream is that we would be a people here who are known and loved. You know that right now you're sat in the loneliest city in the UK. London, the loneliest city in this entire nation. Millions and millions of people surrounded by millions and millions of people who know no one and are not known by a single person. Even that person who sleeps a couple meters away in the flat next door who they would never dream of speaking to. We have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to invite people in to a family, to be a light in the darkness. So many people right now who are alone, we have an opportunity to be a family. And we're going to keep pressing into that. So in, doing all right. What about out? Why is this so important to us? Well, because this isn't some secret. The gospel isn't some secret news, secret information that we just want to keep to ourselves. 
You know like when you find that amazing free parking space where every other space is like paid, then you're like, I ain't telling anyone about this. You're like, oh, I feel bad not, but if everyone knows, then it kind of makes it worse for me. No, it's the complete opposite as a Christian. The more people who know this news, the more excited we get. We're not all about keeping this secret of how to get into heaven to ourselves. No, we want the world to know. We want to preach the gospel to all nations. See, this isn't just one religion we picked, like kind of picked out of the hand. Oh, this one kind of works best for me. We're not a people who believe, you know, this is just a good option of many good options. No, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one comes to the Father but by him. It's the only way. This isn't a multiple choice question. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And so that's why we're not a club just trying to get more members. Or a business trying to increase revenue. Or a political party trying to grow our influence and platform. Now we're the people of God sharing the message of eternal life. A message that transcends age and race and wealth and status. This is good news of great joy for all people, including you. So how are we doing on this one? Where would you say? Well, this is something that we have tried to strengthen in. We've had an outward focus in the way in which we've partnered with different organizations. So many of us in this room have started uh, sponsoring children in Kenya through Compassion. Amazing. We've partnered with IJM. We've given financially. We've talked about how we can fight injustice. We've partnered with uh, an office in the Philippines. We've partnered with things like Love Bexley and the Winter Night Shelter. We've also done uh, gospel outreach events, like the Live Lounge, just a way to invite your friends along to be a part of church in a relaxed environment. We've done uh, things like our Beer and Carols event, trying something a little bit different in December. Some of you probably thought, yeah, that was a little bit too different for me. But we did it because we're just seeing what we can do to reach students who live down the road and are far from Jesus. We ran the Alpha course. And we've seen people saved. We've seen people in this pool getting baptized. And one of the real highlights for me is seeing uh, people who are really, I, I love all baptisms, but you know when it's that person you're close to? Like stepping down into that pool with Sam Omakin, that was one of the big moments. I love seeing it. And what a joy it is to baptize people who get up here and say, just a matter of months ago, I was far from God and now I'm part of his family. What a highlight, what a privilege that has been for us. <laughs> so in theory and theology, obviously we believe that going out is something important. We pray for it. If you've ever come to a prayer meeting at New Community, you know that it's always the number one thing we're praying for. But this is a, a, an evening, this is an opportunity for us to step back and to take stock and be honest, to be real. We can kid ourselves and say we're doing amazing in all these areas, or we can look at areas to grow and to build from. And I think if we're being honest, which is always a good policy, this has been, at six o'clock church, one of our biggest challenges. It has. It's been one of our biggest challenges. 
And there's obviously, there's so many different elements and complexities to church life, but just a few things that are worth us, not just ignoring because we can find them uncomfortable, but to address head on because we're a family. So things are alpha. We ran alpha a year ago, last autumn term. And the truth was, very few of our friends came on the alpha course. When we've run live lounge, live lounge events, we've had quite a few students who uh, we've publicised with come along. But again, very few of our friends have come to Live Lounge. A significant moment for me was a couple months ago when um, we showed a few World Cup games here. And it was really fun getting together. Not all of it was fun. The final game, sitting on my own in a dark room after everyone left. I didn't enjoy that moment so much. But showing World Cup games, a lot of fun. We had a great laugh. But a really significant moment came for me was every week at halftime, I'd look around the room and, and be like, oh, okay, who of our non-church friends who have never been to church before have come tonight? And of the three games we showed, there was none of our non-church friends at any of them. And that includes me. I didn't bring one. And as a meeting, we've grown in depth so good. It's so good. I'm so thankful to God for each life in here who in the past year has matured and become more like Jesus. So good. But as we've grown in breadth, we haven't seen as much grow, growth in depth, in size. Two years ago, for those who enjoy a bit of maths, from the summer of 2016 to the summer of 2017, the average attendance here at 6 o'clock church was 102 per week. A year on, from last summer to this, Sunday, uh, this summer, the average attendance at Six o'clock church was 99. It was 99. Now, numbers aren't always an accurate indicator of health. If you know anything about church dynamics and you're, for some reason, only loves reading church growth books, you'll know that numbers aren't always the perfect indicator of health. Sometimes a church will grow because a church nearby them has gone through crisis. And so a load of their members join the church. Sometimes churches grow because they preach a message that is a watered down version of the gospel to make it more palatable. And so they grow through that. So numerical growth obviously isn't a guarantee that something is healthy. But it is important to look at the numbers. Why? Because each number represents a person. These aren't stats we're talking about. These are stories. People in Sidcup and Eltham and Welling and the surrounding areas where you live, who right now are far from Jesus, who we long to see come in. We're not interested in, in getting big numbers so that people, hey, have you heard how many people go to New Community Church? No. We want to see more and more and more people come to New Community because we want to see more and more and more people come to know Jesus. That's why we're talking about numbers, not because it's like, oh, financial review, we better kind of up the sales or we might lose our bonuses. No, we believe that Jesus is the truth and there's a lost and dying people outside that door who need to hear it. That's why we care. We want to make disciples of Jesus, a kingdom advance and a family grow. That's what we're all about. And again, if we're going to be honest, this is easily something that could just not really bother us. 
So we've got, we've got to think, it's great. This is, I love this family. Over the past year, I haven't been thinking, oh, I hate being a church. I love this family. We all do. It's amazing. It's a great place to be. But when we get comfortable in our size, actually sometimes if we're being really honest with ourselves, we don't actually want things to grow. Why? Because growth equals change. I know it's tough. I hear people say, you know, it's not the same when there's these new people in. I know what it's like when you've got a friendship group and you're already established and that person kind of keeps lingering by you on a Sunday after church and you're like, mm, they don't really fit in and they not know that we're kind of a thing, like we do our thing and like get the hint, like go chat to the host team, like that's their job. Huh? Let's be honest, many of us would just like to kind of keep things how they are. It's why we have to take a step back tonight and examine our hearts. Something I, I've definitely had to do myself. And I was challenged by Catherine O'Shea several months ago when we were having one of our weeks of prayer here. And we've been praying for revival. And she went up in, and shared a word that she felt God given her. And she said, I feel like God's saying that as we're praying for this revival and passionately saying, God, do this, do this, God, bring revival. God is saying, I'm going to use you. You are the answer to that prayer. See, God isn't just going to magically draw people to this building. If we just sit here and pray hard enough, then all of a sudden there'll be hundreds of people coming through that door. No, when we pray for revival, our prayer is, God, we want to see people saved, so use me. God, I'm terrified of talking to my colleagues about you. I find it so awkward. Give me boldness. God, I, every time I speak to my mum, I just feel like she's a closed door. Give me the words to say. Speak to me through your still small voice when we have lunch tomorrow. That's what we're doing when we pray for revival. Saying, God, use me. In Romans 10, 14, it says, How then will they call on him, that's Jesus, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? If we have this mindset of, ah, oh, it's just going to happen without our involvement, then we're kidding ourselves. God is going to use you. He wants to use your voice. You have a voice. And God wants to use it. So we're going to press into that more and more this year. On the church level, we're going to continue to run events like Live Lounge. We're going to start new evangelistic courses. We're going to connect with church plants from new ground through things like our trip to Montpellier in a couple of weeks. Through the Connect Conference, where 20s and 30s from across Europe will gather together, including us here, and saying, God, how can we reach this continent? At a community level, this is going to be very significant. We've got some really exciting changes coming up in just the next few weeks. And this Thursday, as Dings has already mentioned, we're having our first ever All Together meeting. So we're going to gather here out the back. It's actually going to be upstairs and uh, we're going to eat. It's going to be awesome. We've got some great, great chefs on it. But it's not just going to be fun because there's going to be food and prayer and worship. We're going to have the leaders of all the new community groups that are starting explaining to you what groups that you can get involved in. And many of these groups are going to have a real uh, emphasis on going out. 
on looking at creative and intentional ways that we can reach the lost around us. And so don't miss that. Whether you've been just coming for a couple of weeks and you're like, oh, I guess I have to kind of earn my way in a bit before I'm at something like that. No, no, no. It's for everyone. We want to see that room packed out, all of our stuff on our faces and praying to God and saying, come use these groups to reach the people around us. It's going to be amazing. Make sure you don't miss it. 7.30 this Thursday. On an individual level, we're going to do all that we can to help equip you to share your faith. We're going to have times of teaching and training and discussion where we look at how we can live intentionally with an outward perspective. We're going to look at how we can build relationships and practice hospitality and not just send out a flyer as an invite, but to have those conversations that develop our friendships to a deeper level so that when you say, hey, come to church, they're not like, wait, you're a Christian? We're going to look at how we can do that in non-weird and awkward ways. We're going to talk and train and chat and discuss. But most importantly, we're going to do it. We're actually going to do it. Because, you know, there comes a point where the talking and the, the training and even the prayer, it's kind of like, we've done this and this is amazing. But there comes a moment where you have to go. You have to actually step out. And I, I felt this, even a couple of weeks ago, preparing for this message. I've been writing about all these things, like, come on, guys, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then you know when you get that kind of friendly, like, kind of punch in the ribs from the Holy Spirit, and you'd be like, um, maybe you should preach yourself a little bit. And I just had to put my laptop down. I'm like, this is a joke now. Like, I've got to actually go out and practice some of this stuff. I can't keep reading another book on it or, or just thinking, oh, how can I make that sentence sound better? No, I've just got to go do something. So I went down to my barber's, waited for this one barber I always wait for, not because he's necessarily the best, but we always have a deep chat. And I'm saying to him, all right, so what brings you hope in life? I'm saying, do you think you could ever forgive that person? And he's like, no, nah, no. Nah. I'm like, well, I know people who've forgiven for similar things, and this is how knowing Jesus changed them. Didn't lead him to Christ. It wasn't anything, you know, oh, he kind of laid hands on him as he was cutting my hair, but hey. We developed our relationship. Haircut was a bit average, but you know, I was pleased that we had the chat. <laughs> and then uh, two doors down for us, I thought, I've got to go speak to my neighbor. And as I start walking down her drive, I look through the window, and there's this lady in her late 70s, just sat all on her own, no TV, no one with her, middle of the day, knock on the door. She opens it up and she's like, John, great to see you. Come in, come in. I was there like, I literally had practice. How, how am I going to word it to like invite myself in without being creepy? Like, have you ever done that? Like, I come like, can I come in? Like, I was like, what can I say? I'd be like, oh, it's a bit cold out. <laughs> and she just like, literally just, come in, come in. And we sat in her, her lounge and uh, she's like, oh, I haven't got my wig on. She's just had cancer. She's like, oh, sorry. I was like, hey, don't worry, don't worry about that. And I was like, how's it going with the, the chemo? And we started chatting about cancer. And we didn't have any, like, you know, you, you might be in that situation, you're praying, God, give me the right things to say. And, and we just ended up talking about America for ages. I'm half American. And every time I tried to do the little, let's twist to something deeper, she's like, so where in America have you been then? And you know what? We didn't have this like heavens open and the angel came down in like that moment. But you don't always have to. Sometimes it's just having a chat with a lonely lady. Or that colleague at work who everyone gossips about because they're a bit weird. 
It's showing love to the people who need to know God's love. And, you know, I don't want to hype this up. I could easily be like, oh, we're going to see millions saved in the area. I could hype all that. But we know the truth. It's not always easy. It's not always glamorous. Sometimes it just feels like you failed. We were a while ago, me, Nick and Ethan, who lived together, we were like, you know, we're going to reach our neighbours. And we organised a party at house. We even made flyers, which you might think is sad, but we were trying. We were trying. We made flyers. Didn't really think through that three guys living together might intimidate people, but it's okay. The flyer looked really pretty, but not too pretty. Anyway, we, we talked about it. It was good. Black and white on a budget. Probably should have gone colour. But anyway... We flyed the 20 houses around us and then we're waiting with like our jazz music on and our wine and our cheese and like, here we go. All right, we're like thinking like, let you sit there, I'll sit here. So like, you know, if there's like a dozen people, they'll sit around us. And so we're prepared, we're ready to go. 20 houses probably represent, I don't know, maybe 100 plus people. Guess how many came? Two. <laughs> two people, two ladies in their late 70s. With me, Nick and Ethan, drinking wine together. Which, to be honest, is probably the most romantic thing I've had in over a decade. So, I wasn't going to complain. <laughs> now, you, you can look at that and think all sorts. But we looked at that. And I'll be, I'll be straight with you. I was disappointed. Definitely. I was massively disappointed. You know, you know when you hear those preachers who do those things that have the neighbours and they're like, and then the whole neighbourhood came and then I got up and stood on my sofa and preached the gospel. I don't know, they're American. Preached the gospel and they were all saved. Um, that didn't happen. <laughs> but we drank. They brought a lot of wine, so it's all right. And it was cool because even though in the moment I felt it was a failure... As we sat chatting to these two older, lovely ladies, one of them said, I've been here for decades in this neighborhood, and the whole time I've been here, not one person has ever tried to, tried to organize something in our neighborhood. Now, we might not have, you know, seen the neighborhood saved for the Lord, but we made a difference in those two ladies' lives. And because of that, I was able to knock on one of their doors without looking too creepy. And because of that, when we finished our chat a couple of weeks ago, I said, hey, come around for dinner. And it didn't feel weird. Unfortunately, she said, no, I can't because of the chemo. But then she said, but I can drink wine, which I loved. I was like, you can't have dinner at my house, but you can come around for some wine. I was like, I don't know if the doctor would approve, but I'm not going to say no. So hopefully next week she's going to come around and me, Nick and Ethan are going to drink wine with a lady in her 70s. See, our dream is that we wouldn't just be a people who talk. It's easy for us to hear, to be like, yeah, let's do it, let's reach it. But tomorrow, many of you are going to go to work. And there's going to be that awkward chat where you have a choice to make. And you can either sit and pray, oh God, I pray you would open their hearts. Or you can start talking to like a human being and tell them a bit about your weekend, what you spoke about at church. Or say, hey, hey, how are you doing? Ask him some questions. Just show him some love. We're going to go and do some things this year. Our dream is that many would be helped and healed and set free. I just encourage, I, I, again, I'm, I want to be honest here. I'm not naturally someone who's good at dreaming. But I dream of a day where Rose Bruford College, down the road from here, 600 students, 
huge levels of insecurity and identity issues in, and competitiveness in all sorts. If you know the environment, you know what I'm talking about. I dream of a day where Rose Bruford would be known for the grace of God. For people who are less interested in what platform they can get in the West End, but the ability to preach the gospels to other drama students. I dream of a day where students in Bird College will be spending less time wondering about their appearance and more time about their housemates who are far from God. Of Avery Hill Campus, of your workplace, of literally just Station Road. I dream of a day where when we arrive for church, we see people walking up the street, meters outside that door. Come into worship, God. People who are currently in death, who one day will be in life. And how's he going to do it? Through you. Tomorrow. This week. He wants to use you. Finally. Up. Why is this so important to us? Because this all has to be about God. About the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's because of him, it's for him, and it's with him. It's because of him. We love because he first loved us. All of that, all of the things we do, the service to humility, it's not something we're doing because we're good people. No, because we look to Jesus who served and gave everything, even his life, to the point of humiliation at the hands of Roman executioners. And we do it for him. We do this for his glory. Jesus deserves it all. All the glory. It's, it's, this is the frustration, isn't it? Like when we hear those numbers of the stats and all that, the, the frustration we feel isn't, oh, we need to have an impressive church. Like, no, Jesus, you just deserve so much more glory. We're right to have this kind of uneasy feeling when we, we don't see the expansion because we know that God deserves so much praise. We long for that day. And it's with him. We're not alone. The Bible says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you, not just the, the kind of the reader of the Bible or the leader, but you, every single person in this seat. Christ is in you if you're a follower of him and he can use you. Why? Because you have an impressive, you know, personality or you're good with your words or you're funny. No. Because his spirit is in you. And all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. So when you speak, it goes with his power. When you have that conversation at work tomorrow, even if it felt like uh, nothing much happened, God is working in you and through you. And to be real about this dream, about this vision, when we talk about Bruford, Station Road, your colleagues, all these things... This dream is impossible. It's impossible. We in this room are not gifted enough to achieve it. But we have someone on our team. We have someone on our team who is stronger. The one who has defeated death and sickness and fear. He is with us. So even tonight as you think about all these things, and I know for people in this room you'll be thinking, hmm, well, you don't know how against me being a Christian my mum is. You don't know how 
funny my colleagues think it is that I go to church. Or you don't know how far my son has gone from God. Jesus is saying there is no heart too hard for him. There's no one too far that his arm cannot reach. There's no task too hard for our Lord. And he's in you. He's with you. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, don't forget, I am with you, even to the end of the age, even with your mum, even with your daughter, even with your neighbor and your barber. So individually, this is us saying, God, we want to know more of you. As a church, it means at six o'clock, we're going to want to provide you with resources and courses that help equip you to go and to do. We're going to have times of prayer and worship and times of communion together. And that's how we're going to finish right now. To finish right now, we're going to close with communion. And this is a chance for us to do the in, out, in, up, in an action. We do this as family. We do it as a desire to see more added to the family and with the focus of Jesus, remembering all that he's done for us. So if I could just invite the band up. And what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, there's different stations around the room. And I want to encourage you as the band starts to play, we'll stand, head over to the stations. And I just want to ask you to, to get with some people you know as well as some people you don't. What's the point of if the first time we take communion, we go right back to our cliques and undermine all that we want to see achieve this year? So let's get into family, let's meet some new people, and let's share what we have in common, that we're children of God, saved by the blood of Jesus, remembering his body that was broken for us. Now, if you're someone who's here who's saying, you know, I, I'm not really in a place where I could say I'm following Jesus, I don't feel comfortable in doing that, We just want to say we're so pleased that you're here. It's so great that you're in this journey of wanting to know more of who God is. So just chill where you are, maybe chat to one of your friends or one of the host team members. But for us as a church community, we're going to take communion now and thank Jesus for all he's done. So let's stand up, let's head over to the tables, let's pray together, pray to some of the things we've been looking at tonight. And then we'll close with a song.